0: Welcome into the Talking Ball Y'all podcast, our pick preview episode with a little offshoot here at the beginning as we were honored to have Nash Nunnery join us. He's the author of Magnolia Gridiron Cathedrals. This is going to be a really cool book. It was released about 30 days ago. We were glad to get to visit with him for about 10 or 15 minutes. He's going to be doing a book signing locally here to the Pearl River County area at Melinda's here in Picune. so we're excited to be able to to chop it up with him for about 15 minutes on his passion project. On the other side of that, Ricky Whitaker and I get right into a really good matchup. A Picune 2-1 team goes down to Gulfport, also sitting at 2-1. Both of the stadiums, ironically enough, are featured in Nash Nunnery's book, so uh, really cool stuff. We'll implore you once again to go check out our app you can check out jeff lassette and his crew jason baker and his crew both prc and popperville covered each and every week and then of course slick and i with darren Uzel and david burnett have you covered from the picune side but you can find all of that right inside of one convenient spot that's in the talking ball y'all app presented by picune physical therapy you can find it in the google store just search talking ball y'all or also the apple store by searching talking ball y'all so as always we appreciate our listeners and our sponsors sit back and enjoy
1: healthy pets happy people
2: exceptional medicine compassionate care that's our motto at the animal health clinic in picayune Located at 500 Kelly Road, we are equipped with the latest veterinary technology and provide a full menu of animal health services, including after-hours emergencies. Dr. Alan Smith invites you to join our clinic family by checking out our website at ahcpicune.com or calling us at 601-799-1300. Dungan Engineering is a unique force in problem-solving in the state of Mississippi. They have offices in Brookhaven, Columbia, Picayune, and Macomb. Dungan Engineering has the capability to provide expansive and complex services to state agencies, local governments, utility providers, and national firms. They do this all while preserving the good neighbor attitude that allows them to be active members in the communities they serve. Their motto is service, strength, solutions. It's not just words, not just goals and not just an outcome.
0: We are now pleased to be joined by Nash Nunnery. He's the author of Magnolia Gridiron Cathedrals: the most historic and unique high school football fields in Mississippi. Nash, thanks for taking time for the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Clay. Always glad to be on uh, and talk some high school football.
0: Nash, if you would, give our listeners a look into the brainchild for this and and what got this passion project started for you.
1: Well, actually, Clay, it started uh, uh, many years ago um, as a senior football player at Clinton High School uh, in in central Mississippi. Um, I was also the sports editor of the student newspaper, and my journalism teacher uh, requested that I keep a, a daily journal of my activities, practice, games, uh, school activities. I just journaled everything. And fast forward a, a few years later, uh, during COVID, I was going through some old boxes and I found this old journal. And... Uh, of course, it, it detailed uh, a lot of our games, road trips to different stadiums. At that time, this was before the uh, state playoff system was originated in 1981. Uh, we played in conferences, of course, and we were in the Little Dixie Conference with, you know, Pearl and Brandon and and uh, McGee and Mendenhall and, and different teams. And I would, I had made vivid descriptions of some of these stadiums that we played in, and I kept reading that, and I said, uh, this is, this would be an excellent book to go revisit some of these old fields and, uh, and kind of do a detailed book about them, take pictures during the daytime when nobody was in there, um, and kind of give high school football fans that go to these fields or haven't visited them before, uh, kind of an inside look at
0: these stadiums and the history of it, and that's kind of how it came about. So neat! Not long ago on this podcast, we had the the senior captain on the Odessa Permian Panthers team with Friday Night Lights. He was he was captured on that a famous photo on the cover of the book, and yes. the the lights and that imagery. Talk to us about the imagery inside of. Um, inside of your book,
1: well, of course, this is a coffee table volume that's very heavy on photographs we uh, We featured two hundred and forty six photographs. My wife, Vicki, was the uh, chief photographer on the project. I also had a former teammate Fred Laner that, that that took some pictures as well um we just our goal was to go in the daytime when these when these fields these stadiums were empty and take pictures that you normally wouldn't see when you would go to a game on Friday night because there are so many people there. You're you're you're, you're interested in the coaches and the players and the and, and the action on the field. You're not really paying attention to to the surroundings, the actual physical structure of these fields. And that's really was our goal to present what these places look like and also give some stories and some history of each of these fields.
0: And what a different feel, as you said, in the daylight, or I imagine most of them uh, took place with very few people around. I, I know Jake Wimberly talked about this. I saw you recently sent a book to Jason Baker. Jason Baker and I have called a ton of games together. And one of the things as broadcasters, you get to a, a, a cathedral, if you will, obnoxiously early, and some of it is to make sure you're properly bre- prepared to do your job, but then some of it's a selfish nature of watching a place really come alive, and, and it's just special to see how you've captured it in to what they turn into on Friday nights.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that, Clay, and, and and one of, of course, uh, one of the goals that we wanted to, to highlight was, you know, some of these fields... It, that are still in existence, still being played, are over a 100 years old, if, if you can grasp that. And these communities uh, have no desire to, to, to build a, a new place. If they, if they have to make improvements to it, they'll do it. Um, but um, I had no interest in capturing fields that are uh, like perhaps in Clint. Clint built a new field in 2006 called Airfield. It's a beautiful, state-of-the-art facility, but I had no interest in that being in the book. I wanted to uh, you know, preserve the history of these fields so people would know a little bit about when they go to an old field, oh, this field's old or it's broken down or it needs... Uh, But there's still a lot of history there, and these and and the one thing that I found traveling to these 47 different communities around the state, uh, these places are generally cathedrals in that community. They're they're a they're a tie that bonds that community together six or seven times a a, a season during football season.
0: The recently passed Jimmy Buffett, he had a quote, and it was about you know Europe, the Europe culture having some fine architecture and stuff to look at and his quote was but in America we have ballparks and I thought how fitting to have you on and be able to kind of speak to the way you've captured uh, that piece of our culture in the state. Um, some neat stories that you've come across and uncovered. I know sometimes as a journalist you go looking for one st- story and maybe uncover different things. What What has that journey been like as a storyteller?
1: Oh, absolutely! It's it's been fantastic. That that was one of the really fun things of the project. Is of course I knew as a high school football fan, I knew about a lot of these fields around the state, and uh, I had a job where I traveled around the state for a couple years in the early two thousands. And any time I would come to a new town in Mississippi that I had not seen that field, um, I would seek it out immediately and, and go check it out. So I knew about a lot of these fields, um, but. One of the uh, charms, that one of the uh, – every field – people ask me, what is your favorite field mm-hmm. of 47? I said, I don't have a favorite. They're like my children. I love <laughs> all 47 because they all have a very distinct personality and characteristic about it. Uh, take uh, Lee Triplett, Phil, mm-hmm. and Pick you I mean, I absolutely love uh, Coach Dodd Lee, the retired, of uh, course, Maroon Tide coach, told me a great story about – um, really how the name Memorial, the original name Memorial Stadium came about. Uh, he told me that, uh, in 1943 that every senior on the Maroon Tide roster that was 18 years old was drafted in the middle of football season for, this was during World War II. However, the, you know, the draft board granted each player an extension so that they, they could play in a state championship game against Philadelphia. And, uh, of course, the morning after the game, these guys were on a train in San Francisco to be processed for induction, into basically they're going into war. And, of course, two of those players were Calvin Triplett, the hmm. uh, great uh, former Picayune coach, and uh, Coach uh, uh, Lee's fa- father-in-law, uh, Fred Henley, who, of course, was a longtime head coach at Forest County AHS and who, is, who the, uh, the stadium in, at Forest County is named for, Henley Field.
0: And then that neat the, I'm sure you came across as you just mentioned a couple instances there um, these stadiums mean so much in a community several times they'll double down if you will and have a stadium name and then a field name I'm sure you saw plenty of that
1: Oh absolutely we have several that both have both stadium names like um, uh, we uh, like there's several around the state that have the, of course the field at so-and-so stadium. Um, and, and another story I, I must tell you: There's a there's a field in, at Franklin County High School in Meaningful. Um It's named Louis Mullins Memorial Stadium, and it's one of the few stadiums or fields in the state that's not named for a a, a former coach or, or player or, or a school superintendent. It's actually named for a 35 year school custodian, Louis Mullins, who is very much beloved in Franklin County.
0: And he has a stadium named after him. I just thought that was a, a terrific story. Wow, that's so neat. And then uh, I know, and and part of Jason's broadcast came across uh, Leslie Petersfield and, and what some yeah. of these figures inside of their community, as you just mentioned there, for uh, for the janitor, and then what Coach Peters meant to that and to that East Marion community.
1: Coach Peters was. I, I actually got to interview. Uh, coach Peters at Leslie Petersfield, mm. what a joy and what a what a great person that uh, coach Peters uh, Sets a great example in the in the East Marion community um, just just a joy to speak with I also got to interview in person Lindy Callahan the longtime mm. coach down at cupport athletic director at Gulfport, 95 years old and just as vibrant today as he was 30 years ago at um, I've had great – we did over 90 interviews for for this book, and um, it it was just terrific meeting a lot of these legendary uh, former players and head coaches.
0: And some of the settings – I know Moss Point sits with the water and and the tree with the moss. Just some of these settings and and things are just uh, almost built around. You know, you think of uh, churches, you think of railroad tracks and railroad stations and some of the – Fabric of of uh, of of community and these stadiums certainly match that.
1: Oh, absolutely! I can uh, Moss Point's a great example that being right on the shores of Beardsley Lake there in the in the north end zone. Uh, another great example is in uh, some uh, some of these north North uh, Mississippi fields. Maybe you guys haven't seen. Water Valley, Bobby Clark Field in Water Valley. It reminds me, it looks like a football field that's been placed in the middle of a national park. It is absolutely stunningly beautiful there.
0: Nash, your your take on exactly what these fields, what these high schools, I know that you've been able to, to travel what they mean to a community on on Friday night. We're divided, unfortunately, in, in some, so many ways, but uh, from a press box, high top, when you look across it, it really is a, a great snapshot of how we can uh, intertwine, intermix in a lot of different ways. It breaks down a, a lot of barriers, some of that that you've seen in in putting this book together.
1: It, it totally does, Clay, and, and that's, you know, we have so many divisions in this country, and, um, the the thing on Friday Night Lights and in, in Mississippi is one of the rare times that we all, as as people, as Americans and Mississippians, can come together and enjoy a sporting event. Uh, whether you win or you lose, it's it, it's like a, a festival, a party. Um, and for that, for those two to three hours, it it really binds uh, a, not only a community together, but two communities together. Uh, that, that travels to these places, and so you've got two teams and two communities that come together as one on, on Friday nights, and it, it's just, that's what keeps me going back to Friday night lights, whether I'm at a Clinton game or I, if I see a, a, a Class 1A uh, great game, going I will travel to go see it. It's just, that's part, it's not just the game, it's the experience that you have.
0: Nash, it looks like you're coming to God's Country on Thursday. That's going to be September 14th for those listening back from 4 to 6. Last I saw you would be at Melinda's uh, bookstore doing some book signings. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh,
1: Clay, we're so uh, – it, it of course, is a very – football mad uh community and i've been so excited i, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing the game at uh, lee triplet stadium but i am so uh, fortunate and honored to be able to come to picayune to melinda's fine gifts next to paul's pastries and uh, we'll have books on sale there and i'm so anxious to meet a lot of the picayune fans and and uh i the, the, the only time I, go, I get I see I get to see you play at least once or twice a year because you're in the <laughs> you seem to be in the championship yeah. game about every year, uh, but but uh, you 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 guys have produced some great teams over the years and I'm so looking forward uh, to meeting Tide fans. I think you'll really enjoy this book.
0: And Nash, if uh, the locals from the Picayune area can't get there, can you give us some other ways to to purchase your book?
1: Absolutely. Uh, they can contact me personally. Um, best, best way to get me, Clay, is to email me, and it's very simple. It's my name, Nash, N-A-S-H, dot nunnery, N-U-N-N-E-R-Y, at gmail.com. I also have an open Facebook page, Nash Nunnery. Uh, send me a PM message. I will get, get your order, give me your address, and I will ship the book to you promptly.
0: Nash, I can't thank you enough for your time, man, and and your work preserving some of this neat piece of our culture. So thank you for what you've done here, man.
1: Thank you, Clay. It's been a pleasure being with you on the podcast today. And uh, uh, good, good luck this week to Picayune and and, and all the teams in Mississippi.
0: Yeah, Picayune heads down to Milner Stadium there in Gulfport this week, so... Well, they they're
1: part of the Milner's part of the book. So, I bet uh, it is. Yeah, you'll you you'll be able to read about the history of Milner uh, as well as your own
0: Lee Triplett Stadium if you buy a book. Thank you so much again, Ash.
1: Thank you, Clay. Enjoyed it here.
3: It feels good to buy local, whether you're supporting your community's small businesses, family owned restaurants, or Farm Bureau Insurance. The local agents at Farm Bureau Insurance are dedicated to always helping you protect what's important. Farm Bureau Insurance is headquartered right here in Mississippi with local agents in your community. If you're shopping for car, home, or life insurance in the Poppleville area, call Kate Amaker at 601-795-4585. Or if you're in the Picayune Carrier area, call Robert Hester, Lane Fizand, or me, Ross Gilbo, at 601-798-2861. And go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau Casualty, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi.
2: Since 2017, Cruz Law Firm has provided a variety of legal services to their clients in South Mississippi. Their team will work hard for you to get the results that you need. You'll always be given the utmost respect and your case will be treated with the priority that it deserves. Cruz law firm works with the security title and is a member of the American Land Title Association. They have two locations to serve you at 1016 6th Avenue in Vickhune and 300 Highway 11 Suite 4 in Poplarville. Or you can give them a call at 769-242-2500.
0: We appreciate Nash spending some time with us, and so go out and get that. Book sign there at Melinda's. If you're local, or like he just said, you can contact him personally and order a book. Slick, we've got a good one in front of us. We've been able to say that already in a young year several times, but I'm excited about this Picune at Gulfport matchup. 2-1 Pickune traveling to, as we've already said a couple times tonight, historic Milner Field, Milner Stadium down in Gulfport to take on a pretty good two and one Gulfport Admirals Club,
3: really good team, Clay. And, and you've seen progress through their their first three games. You know, Coach Penix came and he's brought in uh, Zach Green as his defensive coordinator. That's a guy who you know his group over a three year span with the Ocean Springs Greyhounds. That's a group that gave up sixteen points per game on average on defense and and had over sixty seven takeaways. So you've already seen that you know, through three games. They've dropped ten points and what their opponents have given up. Uh, They were giving up 21 last year at Gulfport. They're down to 12 through three games. And offensively, he's brought in um, Coach Mooneyham. Patrick Mooneyham's done a good job with the offense. And that's two guys who have collegiate experience uh, bringing in uh, to to this program. So it's a lot to digest, I think, for the team. But he's already jumped up 10 points in offensive production, two per game compared to last year at Gulfport. So they've came in and made an impact early.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, too. Those are um – really good numbers defensively against some good teams too. They're a tough 2-1-1. We're really just a couple plays away a week ago against a, a Madison Central team to be in 3 and 0. That sounds familiar to to us. Um there was some um controversy if you will. I think flags were really uh heavy against Madison Central, but this is a team that could easily be 3 and 0 just just like Pickuen could be. And so Going into this matchup, Slick, uh, we'll get right into the guts of it. For Picayune to be successful, go run that record out to 3-1, and one. what would be some keys? I know last week at this time we were talking about focus, eliminating um, some pre-snap stuff and holding on to the football. If Picayune gets to a 3-1 and one record and were to go win in a very tough spot to win, what are some keys for the Picayune Maroon Tide?
3: It's going to be a little bit different, Clay, in this matchup. And we've faced two very good quarterbacks. Brennan had a good quarterback. Catholic had a good quarterback. But those guys were more true pocket passing guys. This Nico Williams kid, he's 6'5", so he's a giant guy, but he's got a ton of speed. He's going to account for the bulk of their offense, either through his arm or through his leg. Now, I mentioned that We've got uh, two collegiate guys that have came in as the coordinators. That offensive system, if you look on film going back to the start of Gaucher and then Van Cleave and then the game against Madison Central, you could see a little bit of guys not lining up right, not turning the right way. So it's a it's a complicated system, but he's gotten more comfortable in that. I think that's why he's called his own number so much uh, because he's still trying to digest this offense. But I think for Picking to be successful uh, in that game, it's going to be really shutting him down shutting his run lanes down and and making him throw the football. He's got a great arm, but he, they haven't really had to play from behind a whole lot. So if we can shut down that run game and get up a couple of scores early and really force his hand to to be a true passing quarterback, I think that gives us a good opportunity.
0: Yeah, at work and a, a lot of other places, you know, you can, you can trust but verify. So a lot of times when a coach tells me they have a good so-and-so, I want to know have they seen one before? Do they know – uh, what a good whatever looks like. And Coach Pennick, you get into it in the interview. He certainly knows what a good quarterback looks like, and he thinks that he's got a good one. The numbers ver- verify that through the early going. In his interview, which you'll hear in just moments, I thought it was a, a almost a humorous moment he comes in, he can't almost believe that this kid wasn't quarterbacking last year. Is almost a uh, takeaway that I that I got from that. And so we'll look to see a good quarterback play on both sides of the football on Friday night for Pickune to do what it wants to offensively against. The rumors are: look, Pickens seen a dynamic defense in Brandon, a really good defense against Catholic. When you Flip on huddle, arguably the best set. I mean, this Gulfport group's right in that argument. I, I think there's a real argument to be said, made that this may be the best defense that uh, Picayune has seen. What will be the key to moving the football against the Admirals?
3: So I think their base is going uh, to be a three-man front. That That's their base defense that Coach Green runs. I think they'll walk a couple of guys up on the line of scrimmage, so we'll see five-man fronts. You got 10 out of 11 starters coming back from a year ago. And if you go back to that game a year ago, um, this was a 7-0 ball game at the half. Um, The first quarter was scoreless. So, uh, you know, it took Gulfport into the fourth quarter before they scored. We took that game 21-7. But they gave us some trouble up front with that big defensive line. So I think we're going to have to establish the run game and move the football. You look at their schedule and you say, well, they played Van Cleve. They run the football a ton. Van Cleave really tried it a little bit, but they were operating out of shotgun a lot, Clay, trying to trying to throw the ball on this Admiral team. So they really haven't seen an offense that's been able to push them on the ground and, and, and weigh on them with those big offensive linemen. So we'll need to get some long drives going, just like we always say. Definitely have to eliminate turnovers and penalties. But this offensive line is, is going to have their hands full, but I think they'll be up to the challenge.
0: Yeah, when you look back a, a year ago, I don't think I'm going to be uh, misquoting or putting words in the mouth of, of Peyton Wells, but post that ball game, he was like, look, they were really good up front. And so to know that a lot of those guys are coming back. In your interview that you'll hear, you'll hear oh, Coach Pennick say, hey, it's a, a a learning on the fly still for his uh, defensive unit from Gulfport. Do you think that helps pick you or – does it make you think Coach Green's got different principles than what you already have on tape against some of your own personnel?
3: No, I, I think it does help pick you in a little bit. But, you know, now we're at, we're four games in, right? So I think some of those early growing pains, hopefully you've got those corrected uh, if you're Gulfport at this point. But, no, it's going to be a solid defense. And it really starts with their big defensive tackle that's coming back. Uh, Kay McClendon, he's 6'3", 300 pounds. And, he's he moves you know he's not just a big guy that just occupies space he's pretty athletic they have their leading linebacker uh who led the team in tacklers coming back from a year ago and two really good corners and i think that's the key right because if you got two good corners that can that can lock down the offense uh the offense's best receivers and take their weapons away help out in the run game those guys are pretty good they're tall guys look kind of similar to what to what we have in the secondary but overall it's going to come down to our offensive line against their defensive front and for our defense to get some stops uh, when we're on the field. And I think this spread type of look, the four to five wide receiver looks, that always favors picking a little bit. The jet sweep, we'll see that a good bit. That favors, I think, opens up the opportunity for Amarion to have a big game and our edge guys, Jamonte and Tristan or maybe JB, whoever's on that other that other end, to have a big night. But we're definitely going to have to account for for where their quarterback is.
0: Amarion Tyson, 29 that you mentioned there, the senior linebacker, had 13 tackles a week ago, and I think we had him for five tackles for losses. He won our Farm Bureau uh, Player of the Week for the county, a tremendous game by that young man. I'm anxious to see how this offensive line – in some ways, young, especially on one side. What is that, the left side slick that I'm I'm kind of yep. motioning like our people while listening to this podcast can see it. But young on that left side, I think maybe a bit ahead of schedule. I love the way that uh, Mitchell Smith has played and then the way that uh, Bolden has come along at that left guard. Your opinion on that group, and, and you've already mentioned the test they have in front of them on – Friday night should be a very interesting matchup.
3: It, it, it should be. And, and it's hard to say that, you know, Picky Union's offensive line is upgraded from a year ago because those guys that left, um, they have two state championship rings. So, But Mitchell Smith is a big kid, and, and, and Mass moves Mass. And, and boy, he's been doing that all year. And running behind his side, I think we'll see Big Mitchell being caught on a lot to, to block and, and open up some lanes.
0: How did you like the way that the ball was distributed a week ago going from the the Picune side? If you're Gulfport, you're preparing for what? You're preparing for four, five, six. You're preparing for all of those guys, whether it be Darrell Smith, Nike Ratcliffe, and then you've certainly got to prepare for CD6 and the numbers that he's been able to put up. And then through the football quite a bit uh, last week, we saw the wide receivers really get involved. We saw Brady. Robertson, a lefty, uh, spread it out some. So that was a nice kind of tape to put out against the Iverville and really dominated that ball game. But offensively spread it around. It wasn't the CD6 show like it was week one and week two and um, week
3: three. You know, I I think that we're going to need to do that again because if we want to get those long drives going, we're going to have to move the football around and spread it around. And that's the difference, Clay, with this team. You don't just have one guy. You mentioned several and some of those packages will have those guys on the field at the same time. So you got Darrell at the wing or the or the slot position, and Chris in the backfield, Nike mixing in. It's going to take all of those guys to 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 continue to put the pressure on this Gulfport defense.
0: And allowed CD six. I said week one, two, and three. It allowed him from really heavy usage in week one and two to catch a bit of a breather. And for the first time, I think we saw real flashes of what we know Darrell Smith to be. I think there was a, maybe a little pressure for him to have a monster year, and it's certainly still sitting out in front of him. I think for Darrell Smith, the junior, is just going to keep getting better each and every week. What are your thoughts on uh, the play of Darrell Smith up to this point? And really the sky's the limit for this young man.
3: Yeah, I mean, he he led the the backfield in in production on the ground last week, and I think we're going to see more of that from him. I think he's going to be called on to do a little bit more. We're going to need him on defense, but again, it all factors in on how well our defense can play. Can we get stops and get off the field? Because if we're on the field too long, uh, Darrell and and, and Nike's use on offense becomes more limited. So it's really going to stem on how the defense performs, but... I think Darrell's looked great. He looked great last week, and I think he'll have a, a big night again on Friday night.
0: The opportunity or responsibility, however you want to phrase that, for safeties in a ball game like this, when you're looking at pick defensively, when you mention a dual threat, when Coach Pennick talks about his speed on some kind of contraption or whatever he used to, uh, to clock him a week ago or a couple weeks ago, I mean, this young man can really fly and then he's going to throw the football. So uh, the eyes into the backfield, what does the responsibilities look like, and what kind of dilemma does a secondary face against a quarterback like Picky we'll see on Friday night?
3: I mean, I think you have to have someone in, a, in an offense like this, you'll have to have someone accounting for the quarterback in like a, as a man coverage. That may be Darrell. I'm sure Coach Hayden's going to have a great defensive plan and scheme in place, but you have to know. You have to have someone accounting for the quarterback. That way, the cornerbacks and the safeties can can stay locked in on coverage. But yeah, I mean, if you get get caught peeking in, and that's what they do so well. He he does this what we call the read option out of the shotgun, where he'll put in the running back's belly, he'll pull it out, but while he's rolling out, he'll tuck that ball, he'll pull it back out and throw it. So. You got to watch for a lot of things. I mean, there's several different options that he could do with the ball in his hand. So we'll have to make sure we're accounting for all of that.
0: Man, I can't wait. Can't wait to be in a booth with you again on Friday night. And all the coverage that that you're able to provide, man, is just awesome stuff. I know you pour a lot of time into it. We'll also have – Uh, PRC in Popperville, both those games will have double coverage of that ball game. You can pick your liking. There'll be a green and gold type viewing of that one with Jason Baker and his crew, and then a blue and white type view of it from Jeff Lysette and his crew. And so all of those can be found on our Picking Physical Therapy app. You can toggle back and forth in between the games, and and that's been a really – a cool thing for us we've appreciated the feedback on the app but you can search for talking ball y'all inside of the apple store and also in the google play store to to find the app so we appreciate it till you hear from us again on friday night we thank you
1: hello football fans Devin Smith here with RE-MAX Premier Group in Picayune. It's August and that means one thing. It's football season. Our area schools have worked so hard to give us all something to be excited about. I take great pride in my football roots in Pearl River County and I'm honored to serve our people. I look forward to helping residents both old and new make Pearl River County their home. I would love to help you with any and all of your real estate needs. You can contact me at our office 601-798-3399 or 601-347-2641 or you can catch me in the stands cheering on my favorite players under those Friday night lights.
4: Hockey fans, Seawolves Action is back at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum November 18th. Head to our website, MississippiSeawolves.com, or call our office today, 228-999-8333. If you're looking for that cool Seawolves merch, head to SeawolvesMerch.com and check out our online store today offering great merchandise deals. Thank you to the Talking Ball Podcast official partners of the Mississippi Seawolves.
3: Joining me by phone today is Coach Blake Pennick. Uh, Coach Pennick, three successful years as uh, the head coach of the Ocean Springs Greyhounds, run that included two district titles, a couple undefeated seasons, and also a South State title berth. Coach Pennick now in his first year as the head coach of the Gulfport Admirals. Coach, thanks for setting aside some time to chat with me for a few minutes this morning. no, No problem, man. Thanks for the invite. So, Coach, just a, a short trip across the Biloxi Bay Bridge from Ocean Springs to Gulfport. But uh, I know change usually requires some adjustments, even if it's a small change. So how's that transition been for you uh, moving from Ocean Springs over to the Gulfport program?
4: It's been good. You know, it's had its challenges and all that. But, uh, you know, you get to everything's new. You get kind of in a place that you were settled and all that. And, um, you know where everything is, you know, the people to talk to and others, all that stuff. And then you kind of start over and, you know, so I'm kind of the things that I did at the beginning, uh, at ocean Springs. I'm kind of doing all of that over again. Um, now at Gulfport, but it's been great. You know, we've had, we've had a ton of support kids who bought in our coaches, you know, we, we were able to hire uh, kind of a brand new staff and, uh, bring those guys in and get everybody acclimated. So it's, uh, it's been a good transition so far and
3: hey coach uh looking at just some of the the things that you've mentioned as part of your coaching philosophy i love to look at the backgrounds of philosophy from coaches and you mentioned words like accountability and the desire yeah. to mold young men that could positively impact the community um along yeah. your journey as a coach uh who've been some of the people that have mentored you along the way
4: you know, I've, I was blessed, you know, I was blessed early in my career as an assistant to work for um, some really, really good men. And, um, you know, I had a, a very first coaching job was at Oak Grove High School and I worked under Neville Barr. And I uh, don't think you'll find, you know, a better man in, uh, in coaching you know than him and he molded a lot of me and then you know i worked for bobby hall as well and he did a great job for me just kind of running a program and then you know judd boswell is a massive mentor to me of a guy that just how to how to handle the day-to-day operations of a program and continue the longevity and success and that kind of thing and so um I've had some guys, you know, I was under, I was under Larry Fedor for a couple of years at Southern Miss, and just the organization that uh, that he runs his program with, and the things that he did from a day-to-day standpoint, and communication, and all that, I thought it's had a major impact on me and the way we operate. So I was, you know, I, I was lucky, I was definitely fortunate to be able to grow in this game, to take uh, to take on to take things away
3: from different people and how they do things. Well, that's some, some pretty big names. You, you said a mouthful there with uh, Neville Barr and Larry Fedora, the job he did turning yeah. turn around that USM program. So coach, I know you, you've you described this Gulfport team that you're taking over now as the team that's ready to take the next step, uh, finish the season yeah. nine and three. And boy, it kind of starts with, with your quarterback, Nico Williams. And coach, I know you've been around some great talent at the quarterback position. Uh, your days at Clinton you had a chance to work with Cam Akers. Uh, most recently, Mr. Football and uh, now a young man who's at Alabama and Mr. Bray Hubbard. So Nico Williams is is a young man who's probably not hard to miss at six five. But outside of his size alone, he stands out with uh, his ability to do it not only with his arm, but with his feet. So what's your impression of, of, of Nico Ben this year through three games and your offense as a whole?
4: Um, So far, you know, so good. You know, obviously it's different. You know, it's a guy of that caliber, you know, as a senior, you would think have a little more experience, but he, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't play, he didn't play quarterback a ton, you know, it got before me getting there. And so, you know, a lot of the things are new to him, but. You know he is a he is an, has immense talent. You know he has a complete incredibly strong arm, and you know, he's he he's really fast. He was on the catapult uh, last week on a, a long run, and he hit almost twenty two miles per hour on his on his run. And so I mean that's that's lightning fast. And so um, for him early in this season, it's just about the more experience that he gets and the things that he sees, he just becomes that much better. So. Um, he he gives us a lot of versatility on offense, similar to uh, to a Cam Akers or a Bray Hubbard and all that, you know. But the things that he, the thing that he doesn't have yet is the experience that those guys have. But you know, with each and every game that passes, I think he gets even that much better. And
3: hey, coach, uh, a couple of just stellar guys on the edge to your uh, two, two, two big wide receivers, and you got a couple of six footers out there. One that plays basketball. Um, how how impressed have you been with your receiving group?
4: Yeah, Cam Joseph and Bishop Magruder are uh, two wideouts that, uh, you know, you like to have – you have like to have – most teams have one guy on the edge that can really go. And we have – right, we're blessed to have two, you know, um, that I think can uh, – they, they're different little skill sets. But um, I think they can both accomplish and present issues um, for defenses, you know, having both of them out there on the edge. And uh, so far they've been really good. You know, we had a tough tough night last week or uh, – you know, in our game, we didn't get as as much productivity as we wanted, had some key drops in the game. But, um, you know, so far they have they have really been guys that we can count on and make some plays and, and all that. So, um, you know, obviously we have a couple other guys too as well that we work, try to work in the mix. But, um, you know, those guys, those guys do a really good job for us.
3: And then turning to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Got to be a, a pretty good thing to have 10 out of 11 starters return on defense. Uh, your leading tackle, linebacker, um, Landon Pettis, uh, big defensive tackle, six three, 300 pound guy, Kay McClendon, and a couple of lockdown corners in, in Felder and Cottenham. So through three games this year, coach, I think your team's averaged somewhere around 12 points a game to the opponent. They've looked great. They've had a shutout to their credit for some turnovers. What's been your overall impression of this group, and and how high do you think the ceiling is for this defensive unit?
4: Oh, uh, you know, my impression has been really good. You know, I thought um, I thought we did a great job on the line of scrimmage so far through the first few games of the season. Um, you know, I thought we dominated the line of scrimmage uh, last week. You know, against Madison Central, we're in the backfield a lot and uh, to make some plays. Just had you know a couple of couple of key drops on some interceptions that would have changed the face of the game and. You know, a couple of big penalties. You know that extended the drives. You know, in the game, in the last moments of the game, and um, you know, I think I think our guys right now, it's a lot of experience in the in the game, but it's a new defense, right? And so they're still learning some aspects of that. Um, having two corners on the outside with the length and speed that uh, that we have, in Felder and Cottenham is a blessing. And so, you know, right now we're uh, we're still really challenging them to uh, to be elite. You know, and to uh, come down with the ball when the ball's in the air to come down with it and, and really change change the complexions of the game. And so, right now, I feel pretty good about where we are. But you know, we're going to continue to get tested. Um, you know, throughout the season. So, you know, looking for those guys to amp their game up a little bit.
3: And, and coach, I know you mentioned the Madison Central game uh, last week. Uh, Clay Sweet and I had a chance to listen to the, I guess, the last two or three minutes of it on the drive back from Deaverville last Friday night. And it was one of those games that, uh, it, it would sound like probably from the, the Admiral fan base that it was a game that was stolen, right? Penalties, there's a lot of penalty flags. I know you mentioned some things yeah. that you felt like the, the team could have done better, but watching that game, we were, we were trying to check in on the scores. Uh, I believe halftime, you guys had held them to three points. I mean, it's a very good Madison Central team. And usually yep. you don't see Jackson teams come down to the coast until somewhere around November, but, uh, you were able to put those guys on the schedule. But definitely one of those games that if you feel like it just, you know, one you should have won and it was taken away can can tend to have a little bit of a hangover and a lingering uh, impact. So how was the team's practice yesterday, and, and what's been your message to try to get them back focused for this week?
4: Well, you know, and it, and it does. It, it, it was, that was a tough one to drop, you know. I mean, there were calls in the game that were made and those things, you know, that got a lot of attention. But I, I really – I really harped on, you know, some of the missed opportunities. I think, you know, we had some easy opportunities to end the game, you know, a little bit earlier in that aspect of it if we just make a basic play. So, you know, I think it's in, in games like that, that are playoff-type atmospheres, playoff-type level games, you know, this some of it comes down to just making a little play here and there. And we um, just weren't able to make it and then had the other contributions on the, the, the referee aspect of it. But... You know, it's uh, for us the easiest part about being able to get over a game like that is having picky and being the next Friday. You know, they get your attention quick um, with the success that they've had over the past. And then obviously through the first three games of the season, you know, it's a physical bunch and, you know, it's a really talented group. And, um, with Cody and those guys they do such a great job over there that you know you you can't really linger on the last week uh too long because you got to get ready for Friday so I really like the way our makeup was you know our team meeting yesterday and um you know having having those guys ready to go you know for for a good Monday practice and I look forward to a good week um you know with some focus and high intensity
3: coach uh, you mentioned this the pick you team and I know this is going to be your opponent uh we're looking forward to that game on Friday night Looking back historically, man, we've played Gulfport seems like a thousand times going back to the 1920s or something like that. So very, very um, familiar opponents uh, for, for both of these teams, uh, know each other very well. The last couple of games, we've had a chance to cover uh, both of those games. They've been pretty close, 21-7 a year ago, 35-21, and really those games were determined late in the game. There were a, a deep fourth quarter game, where a couple big plays here or there. Uh, really determine the outcome. So, as you flipped in the film, I know you're familiar with Picayune's style, uh, played you guys uh, in the spring game last year. Uh, what do you see on tape this year that's maybe a little bit different from the teams you've seen in the past? You
4: know, I still I think I think that it's a lot of the, some of the same things. Obviously, uh, at the tailback position, they're super explosive. Um, you know, where I think I think the, uh, Dowdell, the running back, was more of a bruiser. And you kind of take your to- – it takes your toll on you, you know, late in the games. If uh, if you don't do a good job – if you don't do a good job fitting the power, Chris or Davis will – he'll take it. You know, he'll take it to the house. And so you got to be really disciplined there. You know, I think um, obviously, you know, picking in the past has not just thrown it a ton. You know, so um, it's maybe been – one of those things that you know, the, where the quarterback position, you have some guys running wide open, and you get lucked out because the ball isn't there, or whatever. Well, you don't get that with them. Their quarterback Robertson is, he's a, he, is, he is as good of a passer as there is, and so I think that you know that's a, it's a super that's a weapon for them that we have to worry about and make sure that our eyes don't get caught in the backfield with all the play action and everything. So. You know, I think, you know, obviously from a defensive standpoint, they got the tall tall corner out wide there that's um, super athletic, number 29, the uh, outside linebacker safety is – as good of a player as there is in high school football, I love I love the way that he plays and the motor that he has. And so, I mean, it's they, they present a major test. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you know what you're going to get from Picky, and you're going to get hard-nosed football. You're going to get a great effort and intensity in play. And so, you have to be able to match it or try to exceed it somehow or another. And it's going
3: to be a four-quarter fight. I agree with you, Coach. It, it's going to it's going to be. It's definitely going to have to go the distance. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch two top 10 teams playing. I know, um, most of the local broadcasts and media outlets have this as being the game of the week. I think it's going to live up to the hype, two contrasts and styles. Uh, but yep. boy, two really good football teams. It's going to be a good one on Friday night. We're looking forward to it, coach. Um, again, I want to just thank you for your time. I know you got a very busy schedule. But I appreciate you carving out some time for me, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in person on Friday night.
4: Absolutely, guys. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you as well.